Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here with Megan Strand. Hey there. And Dane Christensen. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going for I'm trying to do sexy voice today. <laughs> we are, uh, apropos of nothing, the Naked Marketers. Thanks for downloading, everybody. Um, uh, let's see, what do we have to talk about today? Well, first of all, if you don't subscribe to the show on iTunes, if you're listening to this on the website, you should go to iTunes and subscribe for free. Best way to not miss a single episode of Naked Marketingness. And uh, other than that, uh, let's let's dig into it because we have some some interesting, if completely unrelated, stories to talk about today. That is so true. It is so true. What a hodgepodge, a potpourri of uh, of things to talk about today. <laughs> Uh, but can we can we start with the detergent story? Yeah, because I really like this. This is my favorite can one. I, can I talk about Please it? Please talk about it. Can I do the accents? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah, that'd be great. Right. That's a great right. combo. You start with that, I'll do the so- accents. <laughs> <laughs> and let's role play, too. Okay. All right. <laughs> so Ad H had a great article entitled, Is Your Detergent Stalking You? And essentially, it goes on to detail out Unilever's um, laundry detergent brand called Omo in Brazil, this marketing promotion they're doing. And essentially what they're doing is um, seeding 50 of their detergent boxes in, in stores with a GPS device that will then allow its promotions agency to track these shoppers to their home and give them a video camera as a prize. So it's like, instead of like you open the cereal box and find a prize, yeah, the promotions agents comes to your to your house. They have literally thirty five cities staff somehow staffed with people to go as soon as they get this notice that the box is lifted off the shelf to like literally run as fast as they can to meet you at your house. And the funny part of the story, okay, so like that's it's a little bit it's a little bit weird to begin with. But the funny part is as you continue reading this story is that. If you don't answer the door when some random promotions agency is knocking at it, I don't know if this is in theory or if this is actually going to happen, but this was, this was stated in the article that they will then, the GPS device will start leaving off this buzzing noise that will, that will, um, <laughs> I, probably scare the crap out of you. I don't know what, I, I don't know if this is supposed to validate the fact that this is a real promotion. So, I just, it's so funny to me. It is so funny. The line that, that leads up to that is what, is what really struck me because it, <laughs> it was this. Of course, Brazil has a high crime rate and not everyone <laughs> is going to open the door to strangers who claim to have been sent by her detergent to offer a free video camera. <laughs> do, the, do the accent of... Uh, Mr. Figuer, Figueredo, anything, ca- anything can happen. We have to be innovative, but uh, we don't know what reaction to expect from consumers. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You really don't know? You can't, you can't imagine? You can't just put yourself out there? You can't just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speculate. There's going to be an oh my God moment when my detergent my <laughs> starts, my my starts beeping. I would, I, would okay, like a, so was- I would like a GPS operated hand to come out of my shampoo and wash my hair every day if I could have it. But there are reasons I say no to that too. So the, one of we the comments, have to be innovative. One of the comments by Dano from Anytown, Michigan, who knows if this is where this person's from, says, I would consider this a severe invasion of privacy. Anybody who tracked me down from the store to my home would simply not survive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, oh wait, this is even funnier. Congratulations, you're the lucky wit. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I hate my my job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now in all seriousness, you guys, let's. Uh, can you think of this? Is this is Unilever Omo in Brazil? But is there? Uh, can you think of another opportunity, perhaps uh, it, you know, domestically, where it would make sense? To put a no. GPS in it, no. <laughs> no, I, I've been racking my brain through the whole time we've been talking about this story. Like, where would this be cool? And I yeah. can't come up with in a, it. In a, I got it. I got it. In a puppy. <laughs> there you go. Don't they have that? Isn't that <laughs> yeah. what uh, low jacking for puppies is? I've right. What's that called? Where you put a chip in the in a dog? Three-year-old twins. Three-year-old twins. You need to low jack your twins. Yeah. <laughs> See, the, I, you know, it's the, the thing is that we, what is so different about having a GPS on in your, in the software you buy for your phone uh, and a GPS in the detergent for your clothes? Because it has been given to a promotions agency to track you. That is the difference. <laughs> that is the express. Strangers tracking to you. Track you. And doing and it in I, one of the highest crime countries. <laughs> <laughs> if I mean, you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> okay, here's your new job. <laughs> oh man. Well, I don't know. I I think it'll be very interesting to uh follow so to speak this story and uh and see how it plays out for Unilever. Oh no. I have to be innovative. I have to be innovative. We don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> We we haven't really thought it through. Let me tell you, we sat around the table and we said, "I'm out of ideas." We Let's said, "Start tracking people, innovate or die." <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, oh, moving on. That's, that's funny. Right. Funny for us. I don't know if our listeners think it's funny. Oh man, it's good. keep going. What's next? Speaking Dane. of speaking of great ideas gone south, I guess so. Yeah, Google, Google is is bailing on Wave. Which uh, um, <laughs> I don't know what to make of that um, because the only reason I use Wave is actually for this show. We've kind of <laughs> <laughs> we've kind of successfully been using Wave here uh, to put the show together and and communicate in real time while we uh, put the show together. So I don't know. I thought, well, this is kind of cool. It's certainly not perfect, um, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> why why did they uh, why did they bail on Wave? Okay, so well, here's what they're going to do. We plan, uh, we don't plan to continue developing Wave as a standalone product. So through the rest of the year, I guess, uh, they'll support it, but they won't be developing anything new. They're, um, uh, abandoning it. And, uh, I, I, I don't, Pete, maybe you know why they're not. I, I, I do know this. And I, so here's a paragraph that, um, that jumped out at me. It's likely that Google will continue to use the technology born in Wave to enhance the products it was intended to replace, like Gmail and Google Docs. Docs already has an excellent real-time backend sharing system that lets you see others' edits with very low latency. And Gmail continues to show itself as not only a robust web app, but a mini app platform with things like video chat, document editing, Twitter-like status updates, and cloud-based storage built in. <clears throat> so uh, I kind of, I guess, to answer your question, surmise that um, <clears throat> perhaps... We're the only ones using it. Well, but but perhaps people aren't adopting the core products. Um, uh, it, you know what I mean? I, I, I mean, if 
I, I don't think, I don't know. I, I guess at one point Google was going to replace those things. Um, but maybe people get a little confused between, uh, like, okay, do I use Wave and Docs and Gmail? Can I use, I mean, some of the features are in some or, or all of them are in, in each. <clears throat> I, you know, it's not that, um, <laughs> it's not that it's that complex, but, uh, I, I think if you, if, if the initial at- intention was to get people migrating to using Wave as part of an adoption of the rest of the suite, let's call it a suite, um, but as sort of their core, uh, user interface for those, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't happen. So, um, it, I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't the right approach and maybe the technologies, uh, were interesting, but were being sort of parallel integrated into other products and, you know, well, and Wave is the interface for using them. You know, I think that's, uh, I think that is part of a part of the, the point that is really good, which is this was, you know, I, from what I understand, the Wave team was a team out of Australia, uh, Google Australia, that had, that was really dedicated to building Wave and making it work. And, and yet there were parallel organizations inside of Google elsewhere that was, you know, that was going about integrating these sort of real time tools into Docs and, um, you know, and, and uh, the supposed Google Me social platform. Platform that's coming and and uh, you know, but I think there's another issue, which is you know the launch of Google Wave was really puzzling. Uh, I think it was an, it's a great example of a product that was that was launched really half baked, not the technology, but Google's own internal concept of what Wave was supposed to do. They originally pitched it as something to replace email. It is not a tool to replace email. Doesn't make right, any sense, right, right, and right. and the fact that they released it before there was any ability for developers to create applications that plug into it to allow us to have like wave clients that you had to go to the website, which was difficult to use and navigate, and not intuitive at all uh, to actually you know do the things like that that you would expect to be able to do with an email client. If you're going to replace email, uh, you know it just didn't fly, and I think people got confused and and didn't use it after that first or second try. And the last piece is I think this is Google's, uh, you know, Google does this all the time. They release these, you know, otherwise um, interesting, innovative, clever products. And uh, they don't, um, uh, they do this long, drawn out kind of invite only. The cool kids get invites and then they can only invite one person in order to scale their their beta testing, um, you know, but in this case, uh, I, I think it was held out so long, and and Wave is one of those tools that you just can't use if you don't know anybody else on Wave. And yeah. so you have these people who are otherwise really interested in helping to get involved in the tool, and they have nobody to talk to, so they log in <laughs> once, they put their little picture in there, and suddenly Wave becomes as as immediate as it was that they got their invite, it is just as immediate that they realize it's useless. And uh, so, well, now you can well, just invite people via email, but that's neither here nor there. Well, now you can, but but you couldn't for a right, long, forever. long time. Well, and you know, we found it to be. I think it works well for our, our show, but, but it's so it's a pretty isolated well, use, and it's already. I mean, it's even annoying for us. There's certain things that you would think would be basic fun- yeah. functionality. Yeah. I was well, going to say, at, yeah, some, some evolution hasn't yeah. been happening, like dragging features, which is, uh, you know, not, not being able to sort of drag and reorganize, you know, an outline that you're putting together that you're collaborating on is, yeah. um, 
if kind of a huge drawback. If you're going to collaborate, you've got to be able to actually organize the document. And this is, you can't, yeah. and, and when you look, think about it that way, uh, I mean, look at how easy it's going to be for us. And we're using it as a collaborative tool for us to just transition straight into something else. I mean, yeah, what, a what number that, that of other tools. I mean, we could go to Google Docs. We could do all, all of docs, this via yeah. Docs so easily. And if Google is having that kind of a sort of cognitive dissonance between its own products when we could make the transition so seamlessly from wave into docs and and get actually more features well that's a that's a core product marketing problem like they they wave was never it was it was never developed in line with its potential which is sad but it but on the upside there are some really interesting things that they developed with wave that i think are going to make it in and and this was probably just as much of a talent uh sort of reintegration for the Google Wave team to go to these other products and actually incorporate the things that they did on Wave into these other tools. Uh, into Gmail, for crying out loud. Uh, there were there are some really cool things out of Wave that they could put into Gmail and into Docs that I think make sense to be there. So, so there you go. It's, it's sad. The, the one thing that I think is really sad about it is the integration of Wave as a comment system on a website. Right, so you could use Wave to have these real-time discussions in a very streamlined fashion by using Wave as your comment system on posts on on and pages on a website, and that I think is going to be missed. And I think companies like Discuss and Intense Debate are, are going to need to really kind of pick up the slack and uh, of of what the promise of Wave held to allow that again. What we've talked about before that instantaneous relationships with customers interacting on your site. I think that's that's really important, and that's that's sort of the next. Dare I say wave? <laughs> I did. I dared. On. I dared and I did it. You're daring. Next. Dane, this is yours. <laughs> I know, but I like I, I like it when I get an intro from you guys. I you know, I mean just to jump out. We just, just gave you an intro. We Dane. Gave it, Dane right. This is yours. And I that know. should you're say right. enough. <laughs> Dane. Wake up, Dane. Like, you. All right. Well, I wanted something grander, but uh, I was just gonna mention. And we'll put this up in the show notes, right, Megan? I think. <laughs> we'll put but some Kate, of it. <laughs> we we talked a lot about the old Spice guy, and then we and then we you know like wondered, hey, obviously with this success, there, we're going to have more of these great, funny, you know, viral video campaigns. Um, so I'm pretty darn excited that K Swiss has got uh, Danny McBride's uh, Kenny Powers from Eastbound and Down doing their new uh, tubes shoe. So I don't know what else to say what, about it, except well, that all, I love is, Kenny Powers. I love Danny What is and Down? What is Eastbound and Down? I dare you to do this without swearing. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I don't swear. Um, Eastbound and Down was like a six-episode... Um, uh, they had a six-episode season last year on HBO. It's a, a collaboration of... Um, uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Danny McBride, and I can't remember the other name that does most of the writing, but <clears throat> yeah, little half hour, pr- probably by far the most genius, brilliant comedy, uh, cl- close to Flight of the Concords, you know, um, in terms of just overall brilliant comedy. Uh, that's what it is. It's a comedy. It's funny. Half hour, six episodes, and they're going for season two coming up soon. So. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. The the character actually, Danny McBride's um this Kenny Power character, <clears throat> very similar to his uh character in Foot Fist Way, which was the um Sundance film that he kinda got uh it sort of launched uh Danny McBride's career. So uh 
Well, here's what I think is interesting. The character Kenny Powers is that he's a uh, he was retired. He didn't retire. He was. I sounds like he was retired. He was a character that was that retired from being a professional baseball player. He is the most foul mouthed egotistical character that you know on you know yes. television, right? He's just just really de- de- delusional narcissist. He's a delusional narcissist, and and K Swiss is using this character uh, to promote the shoes. This this will really only appeal to Kenny Powers fans, I think. I'm I think not so. sure who else and is so that's really going to buy in. Dane, how many people are really? I mean, what what is the benefit to K. Swiss to pick this guy as their uh, this character as yeah, their spokesperson? Yeah, it's kind of random, right? Well, I, I wasn't even sure K. Swiss was still around, so maybe they can't. <laughs> this. I don't know. Did you guys know there was K. Swiss was still making shoes? K. Swiss was huge in the eighth grade. It was. Yeah, huge in the eighth exactly. Grade. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, was a big, uh, big cheerleader shoe, wasn't it? <laughs> K-Swiss, a big Megan? Yeah, uh, it actually you know was. About that? Yeah. But it, Were you it a wasn't cheerleader, just Megan? a cheerleader shoe. Do we have to go there, Dane? <laughs> Can you tell <laughs> Yes, I was. I was. Yeah, I didn't know that. There we go. Wow. Uh, explains okay. a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. If you could post some of those pictures. To no, the show that not Kenny, awesome. So Kenny Powers is, and so he is this, and the videos that are up on the YouTube channel of K-Swiss are not foul-mouthed. Uh, however, you there can, is one on yeah, one on Funny or Die that that is very uh, foul mouth, foul mouth, and, and foul. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's just downright inappropriate for all audiences. And the thing <laughs> about Eastbound and Down, I guess, from my experience, is that you either love it or hate it. For instance, I love it; my wife hates it. So, n- you know, not Doesn't not surprise me a bit. <laughs> not the easiest uh, choice, really, for for a product spokesperson. I'm just fascinated by this, but see, sometimes that's the thing. I mean, you take the they talk, you talk about taking risky, make, taking risks with your your product marketing choices. I don't know, you know, how much he was quote courted. You know, I could very well be that Danny McBride was actually banging on K Swiss's door <laughs> looking for an endorsement <laughs> uh, opportunity. But but um, you know, this is this is one of those things that uh, you know, it's jarring enough that we're talking about K Swiss again, which wouldn't have happened otherwise that's the thing right but the, the yeah. thing is though like versus the old spice guy that was you know innovative and clever and and not offensive you know and, seemed like it had a product tie this is just just well, seems oh there's more, a product tie here come on really? kenny powers athlete yeah <laughs> it seems more sensationalized then a little bit a little well, bit it's more sensationalized but but it, you can tell the difference i mean but that really is the difference right between hanging your hat on a concept and hanging your hat on clever and interesting creative. You know, I mean, we're, we're hanging, K-Swiss is hanging their hat on the fact that there is a niche audience of people who like Kenny Powers. And, uh, uh, you know, there are people who like Old Spice because it's witty and smart and really cleverly executed. Right. I, I think that aside from the fact that, you know, we may have a fractionalized um, fan base here uh, <laughs> or, or sort of a, you know, love or hate kind of a reaction to Kenny Powers himself. Um, I think that the problem is anybody that I know that really likes Eastbound and Down is probably not going to buy a pair of K-Swiss tubes. Regardless yeah. of loving Kenny Powers and thinking these commercials are hilarious, I think those are probably not the shoes for those people interesting so all right yeah peter why don't, why don't you do the next one because i think this is right up see your now alley. look now that was that was better you'll notice megan than dane 
<laughs> so I'm just saying. Next in time. In terms of our competitive uh, segue. <laughs> hey, oh, 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 oh. I got something to say before that, though. And what? we should have okay. talked about it at the beginning of the program. But what? did you guys realize this is our 20th episode? Wow. Wow. Um, That's a good point. It makes me think we should go back and, and post the missing 14th episode. <laughs> I thought you did post that. it. <laughs> I, I didn't. It's not there. I should go back and post it. That's funny. Uh, it wasn't good. It wasn't a it good, wasn't good. It wasn't a good <laughs> So don't show. listen to it. Yeah, but it'll be there. Uh, okay. okay, so Apple removes competitor antenna references on uh, on Apple.com. We we talked at length about the Apple antenna gate issue and how Apple was communicating that. And the, the the issue was uh, that they had extensive uh, an extensive list of major competitive phones from BlackBerry and Samsung and LG uh, that had the exact same antenna degradation or signal degradation issues when you hold certain areas of the phone. And then one night all of those references and videos disappeared uh, from apple.com and and uh, and now they are gone and there is much speculation about why they did that why they took them down and um, uh, what do you guys think do you think they were listening to this show and they were swayed one way or the other oh that must have been it all right i like to think so too i don't, I don't know i um i i don't know if they if uh, they got all sorts of phone calls from the competitors <laughs> Oh, I don't think they got phone calls. I think they were much more public about that. I think they, uh, I, it seems from the, you know, the press that the competitors got about their, you know, little posts and missives and articles about how Apple shouldn't be dragging the rest of the, you know, industry down in their mud hole. Uh, I don't think people were necessarily calling Apple to complain. I think they were just, you know, much more open than that. Yeah. Well, think- it kind of goes back to our initial take that, Probably it's it's not um, that's not Apple's typical style. So um, it, and we sort of all agreed that well, you know, it's not really their normal mo. But in this case, it seemed like they could get away with it because they don't do it very often. And um, but you know, our sort of general consensus was as a general rule, we don't feel that that's a great strategy to drag your competitors through the mud, but. So maybe they rethought it. I don't know. I don't know if they rethought it as much as I, uh, I think it's part of any other, you know, smart campaign, which is, you know, they put it out there for a couple of weeks while there was a great deal of noise and signal around this particular issue. And then they were done. I mean, Apple got, they made their point. I think they made their point. I, I do for the people who are going to believe Apple, they made their point. And for the people who aren't, Yet another video about another uh, cell phone that has antenna degradation issues is but, not but, going to sway them. But do you think the point was was more to um, the sort of the news outlet sensationalist? You, you know, I, I mean, do you think yeah. that was that was maybe more of of posting you know that antenna issue on the website and taking it that far? You know, was because really, I, I I truly believe. That, you know, it was just, it's one of these sort of, you know, you look for trending terms, you, you find it a sensational title, and Apple's saying, yeah, it's not perfect, but none of them are, and here's some proof, and I think that was maybe more who they were trying to speak to with that. Yeah, I, but but look, I mean, that's that that's the point, right? I mean, the those are the audiences that are, that Apple needs to... Apple is targeting to sway above and beyond the you know general user base. You know there there are, I think there are three groups here. One is the is uh, people who bought the iPhone who are up in the air, 
right? And for for all this press to come out from Apple that says, you know what, we're not alone. This is the issue. Put a bumper on it. Here's your free case, damn it. And uh, move on <laughs> and sate the people who are otherwise, you know, thinking, gosh, should I return my phone? I don't know what to do. All right. So those people are either sated or they return their phone. And Apple's policies lived up to and customer service lived up to that. Uh, the, the second group are the people who, um, you know, are the press and the media outlets who, you know, have been totally hammering Apple about, uh, you know, about having antennas that are um, that are weak, having made some poor design choices and really blaming Apple for, you know, the end of the world as we know it. Uh, and, and the third group is, are there any of these laggards out there who, you know, are thinking about a phone and don't, you know, and, and are rethinking the purchase of their other phones? And maybe as long as everybody's in the crapper, let's move to get a new iPhone and, uh, and uh, you know, have a better phone experience anyway. Look at all the money we spend on our antenna design labs. I, I think they're done. I think they made their point and they're able to move on now. And so Here's my question about that, though. Do you think that... They, you don't think there's any discussion about this? You think at the outset they're like, we're going to put, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put this page up for two weeks and then we're going to take it down. And that's our strategy. Yeah. You I do? do? I, I do. So. I do. I think they do. And I think that's because that's what Apple does. And that's what a, you know, that's what a judicious, you know, website operator does. I mean, they left the content up there that is, it is the ageless content, the antenna design stuff, which is the, the specifically internal, uh, you know, uh, about Apple content. They don't need to leave up the the mudslinging about BlackBerry and RIM and, and all that. They don't need to leave that up. I think they made their point. You're a fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. That's, anyway. That's the call. The siren call. Fanboy. Yeah. Well. Um, so speaking of nothing having anything to do at all with, with Apple. Other than the fact um, that Apple the Apple logo makes me impatient. That's true. Well, and probably attractive women make you impatient too. But right. um, and both of them make me want to spend money. Yeah, and, and not make <laughs> not make good financial it, decisions. So we why found did this... it take that long for that joke to get to, to nail you guys? <laughs> that women and Apple make me want to spend money. I was just trying to digest it. Okay, wow. so uh, we all well, and I don't know that um, Apple would be considered fast food, but um, there was a researchers out of the University of Toronto found that. Simply viewing fast food symbols caused measurable increases in impatience. Um, and similarly, to, as viewing images of attractive women made men impatient. So the whole point of this article is that mere exposure to fast food symbols reduced people's willingness to save and led them to prefer immediate gain over greater future return. So from a marketing perspective, if you prime your subjects to fast food logo or... Um, uh, things or women, I guess, uh, it cause it will cause them to be more attracted to products that save time. So, you know, a, uh, pert plus one, one step shampoo conditioner. Um, so that was, we just thought it was interesting. It's a, it is interesting, interesting way to think about marketing. I don't know how you might prime your customers with a fast food logo, but food for thought, food for thought, food for thought. Outstanding. I am, I'm trying to figure out. So I'm looking at KFC, McDonald's and Burger King. I guess what this really means is that you, you know, it's, it's easier if you are in an industry that is already sort of has the gestalt primed for, you know, behavior. Uh, 
it would be hard, for example, to say show a jeweler's logo and have people, you know, right. primed to right. In spend that money. case, you would not want to show yeah. a fast food logo because you want people to take more time. Interesting. Probably if you want like them to have do an impulse ugly... buy. Oh, I see. Here we go. Okay, so would a prominent KFC coupon help sell your new time-saving appliance? So buy our appliance and get this, get a free mm. basket of or bucket of wings. KFC, yeah. KFC, and put the logo in giant, uh, bright red all over your coupon. That's fascinating. So this I is wonder, a partnership play. Well, and I also wonder if, like, you know what? Sometimes at Walmart they have you can order McDonald's at the. <laughs> Yeah. at walmart i wonder if that helps their like little impulse buy crappy stuff that's in the in the aisle as well mm, you know i didn't actually know that you could buy fast food at the checkout at walmart well in in vantucky you can <laughs> <laughs> do you are you a that regular walnut shop uh, walnut are you no. a regular walnut shopper <laughs> i'm not i honestly don't remember the last time i was in walnut i mean walmart dane are you big you big walmart shopper um, <laughs> I I do you no, do you have not a big Walmart, Walmart in Boise? Boise, yeah, Boise. I mean Salt Lake. <laughs> <laughs> we do, yeah. It's Salt a cultural is... experience in Salt Lake. Um, <laughs> it's one of the places where you can sort of experience other cultures. Um, here in this mm. homogenous city, um, I took my kids there last week actually, and we Did got you order to McDonald's talk... at the checkout. They got to talk to a homeless man. We tried. <laughs> um, oh, they did. Truly, uh, yeah. No, we. Tr- I tried. I was. I tried to order some chicken McNuggets, and they said, "Um, sir, we stopped doing that uh, two years ago." Here, oh, it was like a kiosk, though. <laughs> well, yeah. No, you used to be able to, like, you what know, <laughs> Pinky. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Pinky? It makes me laugh on that level. Yeah, brain. <laughs> hey, you know what, guys? Yeah. I have a new um, fountain in my office that I just installed today, a water fountain. I bought a Bed Bath & Beyond for um, $8, mm-hmm. and it makes me want to go to the bathroom. Is, is that a segue of some sort? No. I was just thinking about Walmart, and I thought about my fountain. That's and we're cutting. That's fascinating. I think, we should, uh, I think we should move on to this last story. Okay. Don't, if, don't you? If, you, if you want to bypass my fountain that quickly, feel free. Well, is I'm that not, was that I'm not a, offended? No, it's no, no, no. Not. I'm. I was wondering because that's that's really it's the same sort of behavior though. we're talking about, right? The behavior <laughs> of seeing a fast food and wanting to move quickly, and hearing a fountain and having to go to the bathroom. It's sort of, it's, it's sort neuro- of. Like, I'm 12 science. and I'm at camp. Kind of scientific. Yes. Uh-huh. Excellent. Okay. Outstanding. <laughs> That was a story. So, Megan, I think this last story is yours. Can you uh, can you wrap this one up? No, I actually can't because I don't understand it. What don't you understand? <laughs> Come on, Megan. We'll we'll okay, explain so it to you. It's a, okay. So somebody explain this to me. This is my question. Okay. So there's a big New York Times story. Media companies try getting social with Tumblr. Um. So, so their their point is that. Plenty of traditional media companies are, uh, you know, pumping news debate up, updates on Facebook and Twitter, but now they have a new platform. It's called Tumblr. <laughs> and, and so I don't get it because it's Tumblr's a blogging service. So they're just blogging like this is splitting the atom. I just don't understand what is so exciting about this story. 
Well, I, I feel like I'm I missing something. Uh, I don't understand it either. I I don't understand it. Uh, I, I don't understand why they're getting this New York Times treatment, other than the fact that the Times is looking to you know up its continue to increase its digital coverage, and and uh, and Tumblr is is kind of you know it's sort of the rage right now. Um, I, you know they've made some interesting changes at Tumblr in terms of a, it. It really used to be just a how quickly can you get your content on the web play? You know, send an email and you start a blog. Like, you don't even have to set up an account. Your email will start your own web page if you just send an email with your content. Um, so that's interesting. It was clever. And they ended up having a really uh, cool kind of a um, development path where they just their whole mission was to let you share with others, but to do so in a way that's longer format than Twitter, that encourages reposting and, and longer commenting, um, and more open than Facebook, where you don't actually have to be a member to see the content. So in that respect, Facebook's get, been getting more tw Tumblr-like, and Twitter is looking to find new ways to encourage discussion to be more Tumblr-like, but there's Tumblr right in the middle trying to, you know, kind of satisfy both ends. Um, lately, Tumblr, though, has been making some really interesting uh, evolutionary improvements. They've added pages, they've added uh, premium themes so you can skin your Tumblr site in all sorts of new ways and make it look more and more like a website, like a full, you know, uh, uh, robust website uh, without, you know, with the same ease of use on the back end. So w the news here is that major media outlets like the Rolling Stone and Newsweek and um, you know, these other major media outlets are starting tumble logs to post their kind of day-to-day -day, uh, information, their day-to-day -day kind of news stories and links to try to, to access yet another audience of folks who are, uh, uh, you know, another niche audience of folks who live their lives on, on Tumblr for the same reason that we have our website auto-posting to Twitter and Facebook. They're saying Tumblr is, is the next site you should be auto-posting to. Uh, to encourage more of that dialogue. So it's interesting, I think, you know, more of a discussion of look at these major media outlets who are investing in um, these new tools. Um, I, I mean, don't you think I, I'm ranting? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that makes more sense. But it, it just, I don't know, maybe it was the way the article was written. I just thought, um, I, I don't know that blogging is a particularly new platform. So no, I guess it makes sense that it becomes like your one of your social media arsenal tools and way to repurpose content, especially for some of these media organizations. So, well, and uh, here's, here's the, here's the, I mean, you want to just talk about sort of the nascent development of Tumblr as one of these, one of the big now three, uh, Mr. Coatney, this is from the, uh, the times article, Mr. Coatney, the founder of Tumblr estimated that posting links and notes to the Newsweek Twitter feed and Facebook page sent roughly 200 to 300,000 readers to Newsweek's website each month. By comparison, Tumblr sent closer to 1000, uh, links a, a day, but Tumblr is growing quickly. It says it's adding 25,000 new accounts daily and each month it serves up 1.5 billion page views. And yet at 1.5 billion page views, it's not close to either of those two other uh, services. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's something worth experimentation. I, I actually played with it this morning after reading this article for the Naked Marketers just to see, you know, they've added all these new features. Is it another way we could manage this site uh, in an even more kind of open and easier to manage way? Is it easier to manage than WordPress? I, I haven't quite answered that yet. Well, you already we migrated from Tumblr to WordPress with the site. I know, I know, but it's still up on. Uh, it's still up on. It's still uh, up on Tumblr. Tumblr. Yeah, it still exists. Very, very old. It's very old. 
That's all. What else do we have? Dane? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I want to hear more about Instapaper. Oh, our tool. Oh, that's, well, we, yeah, yeah we're going to move on to tools. Let's move on to tools. So we have a tool. Um, we have a couple of tools. First of all, Megan, you had a tool. What's your tool? I don't want to interrupt oh, your tool. Several tools. We have a lot um, of tools today. Well, okay. So my first tool that I found on another marketing website, and I don't know if I'm like in the Stone Age and didn't realize this existed or if it ex- exists somewhere else, but my first tool was um, this URL that we'll post on our show notes where you can copy in a URL and it'll turn a web page into a PDF, which is actually quite useful. And ironically, somebody asked me for that last week. They wanted a blog post I'd done on them in a PDF. And I thought, now how am I going to do that and make it <laughs> look okay? So um, I was pretty excited that there's just this little thing you can go and it'll turn it into a pretty little PDF. So that was my first tool. Fascinating. Check that yeah. out. I'm doing it right now. You go talk amongst yourselves. Okay. So my yeah. other tool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this one I actually have been looking for for quite some time and I'm not, I'm not going to say definitively, this is my favorite new tool, but I'm playing with it and I've been pleased so far. Um, I have been looking for something that combines sort of a personal to-do list and a project management tool. And I like project management tools that are online, that are simple to use, that produce good reports and can keep your team on the same page as far as products uh, project status and update. So if I'm working on a collective project with three people, I want people to be able to know what the major milestones are and who's assigned to what. And, um, to Peter's point, when we were discussing this earlier to not necessarily have to have them like download some complicated software to be part of the project in this collaborative tool. So, um, I have been so far relatively pleased with this, um, project management tool called productive, which is uh, we will also uh, post on the show notes. But um, one of the things I like about it is that it will translate your tasks into a calendar view, which because I'm such a visual person, I really like being able to see like, okay, this week what's coming up versus this linear list of um, even if it's laid out nicely, I, I have a hard time with this linear list of, of things. I, I just can't get it into my brain. So that's one of the things I like about it. Another thing I like about it is that it will send you email updates of like, hey, this is what you have due today, which is also kind of nice. Um, you know, you get an email first thing in the morning. Here's what you have to do. Um, and then the other thing that I haven't messed around with, but I know it can do is you can um, text or email tasks into Productive and they'll translate it. They'll put it into your project for you with just some simple coding. So so anyway, I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, that is, it is really interesting. I See, now I'm back on uh, the, first of all, I used createpdf.in, yeah, createpdf.in to create a PDF of productive.com. Which oh. I thought was very meta and quite clever. That is very meta. Uh, it doesn't, uh, it's interesting how it, it doesn't handle complex uh, websites terribly well. It strips a lot of the, a lot of the um, all the formatting out of it. I did my own site too, and it's a, it ends up being quite messy. Uh, <laughs> so I'll need to look at that. But it's a very cool tool. Okay, now on to Productive. I was interested because you are. We talked a little bit about how Productive compares with a site like Basecamp, because particularly if you're looking to collaborate people with people, um, you know, how does it actually stand up to you know? Uh, 37 signals, which is widely touted as the be all end all of simple collaboration tools. What's your take? Well, well, my take is, um, although I really 
love the simplicity of Basecamp. I just cannot, I can't make it work for me. I don't, I don't know. I think part of my problem is that, and I've literally tried probably five projects over the past, I don't know, two to three years on, on Basecamp. And, um, part of my problem is, and it could be some of the people I'm working with, but part of the problem is, even though it's very simple and intuitive, it's, it's to Peter's point, it's this, this dynamic where you have to have people sign up into Basecamp and they have to create an account and then they have to figure out how to use it. Um, and then to me, it's so pared down that, for example, if I want to, like, I like to be able to run a report to pe- to people like on PDF or something that looks visually, you know, readable. And if I need to, to be able to email that to people and use it outside of the application, and you absolutely can't do that in Basecamp. Um, like you could go in and kind of look at the calendar and see what's coming up, but I don't know. It's just a little bit too pared down for for my personal taste. So, well, and, and I you- really want to like Basecamp. I just am. I'm. If somebody can show me a better way to use it, I'm all for it. But well, I just really had struggled with it. It is the same thing as like uh, you know Salesforce and uh, oh, what's that? There's a contact one. You, do you guys get those emails from from people who use that? Constant contact? No, no, no. It's it's one where you you put your contact list like in the sky and it syncs with the cloud. And then if if everybody else in your contact list is using the same service. Then when I change my phone number, for example, it'll automatic, automatically update my contact record in your Outlook. Mm, Do you get that's those cool. Emails? I've never seen that. It's, it's so annoying. It is super annoying because <laughs> it's, once somebody adds you to this list or adds you, it sends you these emails constantly saying, hey, you haven't signed up yet. Why not? Please. We really miss oh, that's you. Annoying. It's like the most whiny uh, and I just, I hate when I'm inflicted into somebody else's service. I'm happy with my services. And, and uh, as much as I try to inflict my services on others, I don't like it when they do it to me. Uh, and so that, that was the thing about Productive. Does it make you, does it make me sign up for their service in order for you to use it effectively? And I think that's kind of the golden, um, the, the, the sort of the magic relationship. If you can use it and it interfaces with my life the way I work, that's a smart tool. Uh, and that'll allow me to kind of get to know it without having to, you know, pay on our first date. Um, so that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, Dane's just sitting there laughing. I well, know. talk about your tools. You had some tools. Oh, you know, okay. So, uh, I, you know, I'm on vacation. And uh, so I'm kind of taking the time to... I'm still <laughs> so I don't on have vacation. any tools? <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I'm taking the time to catch up on a lot of things that I've, I have been working or, or storing up to read and think about, uh, you know, during the day to day. And, and I discovered a long time ago, this tool called Instapaper. If you haven't found Instapaper, instapaper.com. What it is, is, uh, it's a tool that allows you to, uh, essentially save articles for later. If you're like me, you end up with a just way too many windows or tabs open in your browser of all these articles you want to, you want to save because you know, you really should read these things. You should digest them later with Instapaper. You can just click a little bookmarklet on your browser, on your bookmarks bar, and it will save for free these articles, this article into your Instapaper account. Uh, it'll strip the, the styling of the website. So it, it takes off all the, you know, most of the ads, um, and uh, all the you know all the visual detritus from the website, leaving you just the text in a very easy easy to read format, and puts it in your free Instapaper account, which then you can uh, access through the iPhone or iPad. I think BlackBerry uh, apps, um, you know that you can, and I'm sure Android as well. Um, 
apps that you can read on, on the go. And it has made catching up on long articles just a dream. Uh, they have they've also added a folder support to keep your articles uh, organized so if you have multiple folders there's actually a bookmarklet that you can you can add to your bookmarks bar for each folder so if there's an article about photography i can click the photography bookmarklet it'll save it directly to that folder so i can keep my instapaper reads organized so it is really terrific i think it's, the one thing that would be helpful with that is is versus like i have all these articles that i've favorited through twitter that i want to go back and read i can either probably 100 articles in there i haven't read one of them so the, one of the things i think is, would be helpful with instapaper is the fact that they strip all the crap off of the the you know the ancillary stuff off right. of the article and you said they have an iphone app right yep, so yep. that would be helpful to be able to read it read it this, as well so this that thing might is actually amazing. be promising I, I've I've been using it uh, since you mentioned it earlier today, Pete, and it's <laughs> incredible. It's just, no this, wonder no wonder you haven't said anything. This is <laughs> this is one of the worst like things I'm inflicted with on a daily basis. Are is having three separate web browsers open with you know multiple pages and and about you know ten to fifteen tabs per browser by the end of the day. It's crazy. That's bad. Um, it's not quite that bad, but it can get bad. Um. And I'm, you know, I'll get back to that one later. Gosh, the fact that not only can you just like save this and then close it and you can, you know, go about being productive and not have a bunch of tabs open. But when you go uh, to open it, you can just do a text version. No ads, no like, you know, it's like a nice, clean, easy, readable format. This is really a brilliant little um application i it, guess it is it's i'm i'm so glad to hear you say that uh, it, it is really fantastic my in terms of my workflow from there if i'm in instapaper i then uh, and there's an article i want to keep forever and ever uh, i send it to evernote and it uh, goes oh. into my evernote database forever oh, and ever and it just makes look at it that. i know right i am I, it's like i live inside ba -ba myself it's so meta Anyway, uh, it's, Very cool. it is terrific. Very cool. So, and then the only other thing I just want to sort of celebrate uh, for a bit because I'm a task management, uh, I'm a task Geek. management application Geek. Uh, lover. Is Junkie. OmniFocus for the iPad uh, was released from the Omni Group uh, this week, and it is absolutely awesome. Check out www.omnigroup.com and look for OmniFocus for iPad. I'm telling you, it's better than the desktop app. It doesn't have all the features, but in terms of managing your day-to-day -day workload, it is better than the original, uh, and I hope they bring a lot of all of the tools that they've introduced exclusively in the iPad app back to the uh, desktop app because they are really terrific, and congratulations to the Omni Group team. They, they did a great, great job uh, on this app. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, what do you guys have? Anything else to report uh, on the week? I think that's about it. Nice. I feel like we've covered quite a bit. I think we, we had have. four a lot of tools. Ground. Four oh. tools, yeah. It's a quad tool show. Wow. Uh, so uh, let's just assume, Dane, that uh, people have listened to this show and still want to find out more about you. Where would they go? Yeah, I, I would assume that. Um, <laughs> they... <laughs> They can, um, they can like me on Facebook. I think they should, uh, strike 10 media or just visit me, read my blog, strike10media.com or go to your house while you're there. You could hang out or while or, you're there. Or rig your detergent with a GPS device right. and then could do that. You could do that. Was that a might, yawn? Did you just yawn? Might catch me, um, riding my scooter <laughs> back and forth betwixt. How about you, Meg? Where would, where would you like people to go to see you? 
I'm on the Twitter at Megan Strand, and my website and blog is Encouraged, which is I-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D dot com. And uh, I am at Pete Wright on the Twitter and at FifthAndMain.com uh, on the internet. You can find out more about the show at TheNakedMarketers.com. Uh, and make sure to click on the uh, subscribe link to subscribe in iTunes. Make sure that you are uh, getting the show automatic- automatically every single week uh, <laughs> in iTunes uh, without missing a single beat. Uh, it wasn't a laugh line, but I'm glad you liked it. I liked automatic- automatically. Try and say it fast. Autom- you can't. You try it. I already, I already failed. <laughs> um, Do it again, Megan. <laughs> I added Matrix in there, so I don't, I don't even know if I want to Matrix. <laughs> uh, uh, this is uh, this is deteriorating quickly. Uh, on behalf of Megan Strand, Dan Christensen, I'm Pete Wright. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Naked Marketer. 